Uh, I'll be reading initially from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. So listen to God's Word. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, for your word we give thanks. And we pray that today, as, uh, as I preach, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts together, it w- would be honoring to you that we would listen well, receive your word, your spirit would be at work in this time and place. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. You know, I'm also really glad to be uh, sharing in this series on the Bible, seriously. It's an important topic. You and I need to know what Scripture is, and especially we need to know how it is that God wants to speak to us individually and to us as a community. So I'm glad to uh, weigh in and to be a part of this series. It's also a great uh, gift to be able to be here on the occasion of the baptism of Owen Kreider and then Emily's ordination. Emily and I, as uh, uh, Eric mentioned, had worked together in Texas, and we've remained close friends, so I'm glad to be connected to her. When we moved to Texas as a family to begin work at Lady Lodge, uh, we, we lived in the country, and we had never done that before. I grew up as a city kid and a suburban kid. All of a sudden, we were living on you know many acres uh, in the hill country of Texas, and live oaks everywhere, and it was wonderful, and there were some challenges. One of those challenges happened one day. Shortly after we moved, I was walking through our bedroom, and I noticed a dead oak leaf on the floor of the bedroom. So with my sandal, I just sort of kicked a leaf. I don't know why. And the leaf kicked back. So knowing that that's not common, I sort of got down to look and see, and it was not a dead oak leaf. It was a scorpion. Now, thank God the scorpion didn't get my toe, but that was a disconcerting moment, and even more disconcerting was the fact that I realized all of a sudden that I'd seen other dead oak leaves in our house. (laughs) What I thought was lifeless and inert turned out to be very much alive and quite active. Now, some of us have had an experience of the Bible that's kind of like that. Maybe there was a time in your life when you thought of the Bible as some old book, kind of dead and, you know, antiquarian. And then, at some point in your life, you began to engage with the Scripture. And you realized that it also is alive and active and something to be reckoned with. That's really the topic sentence of our scripture reading for today, isn't it? It says, for the word of God is alive and active. And I want to explore that claim with you a bit in light of this text to discover what that means and what it means for us and for all of us together. Where we see the word word in word of God, it is in Greek the word logos. A couple weeks ago, if you're here, when Pastor Eric preached, 
He talked about God's logos, God's Word active in creation. God's Word speaking through the Old Testament prophets. God's Word, God's logos, as it says in John 1, uh, fully present in Jesus Christ incarnate, the logos, the Word of God incarnate. When Hebrews refers to the Word of God, surely it means in part what the writer at the time would think of as the Scriptures. That was the Old Testament. The New Testament was just being written. The Old Testament is God's Word in the sense that God spoke in those Scriptures and God continues to speak through His Word. Thus, sometimes we call the written Word of God, the Bible, the written Word of God. Because God speaks. God once breathed in. God still breathes in and through His Word. So, if the Word of God is alive and active, a question would be, well, what activity does the Word actually do? Now, you could have a whole sermon series on that if you wanted to. Go through Scripture, look at all the different things that God's Word does. Hebrews focuses on some very particular functions or actions of the Word, and those we want to look at more closely today. It says, first of all, that God's Word, alive and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Today, I think the writer of Hebrews might say that the Word is like a, a surgeon's scalpel that can literally touch any nook and cranny with inside our body. Or, using a familiar English phrase, we might say that God's Word cuts to the heart. Now, right away, there's a crucial truth for us to ponder. And that is that God is not interested merely in the externals. God doesn't want us simply to do better, to act better. God doesn't want us only to believe rightly, though that, of course, is crucial. God is about going deeper. God is about the heart. God wants to address your deepest needs, your deepest worries, your deepest fears, your deepest longings, your deepest wounds. God wants to speak deeply inside of you. Well, Hebrews continues. It says the Word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, interestingly, the, the original language here for judges is not a word that generally speaks of what happens in the law court. This isn't the judicial judging or sentencing. Rather, this is judging more in the sense of, of paying close attention and understanding. The ESV translation says the Word of God is discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The New Living Translation says the Word exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So God word, God's Word clarifies what's inside of us. Revealing to God, but revealing to us what's really going on inside. It's another of the functions of the Word. Now verse 13 continues. Adds, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Now, this NIV translation absolutely gets the basic sense of this text. But it has a hard time rendering into English, and it would be hard. 
some of the nuances, especially some of the imagery of this text and, and some of the irony. And I, I want to share a bit of that with you. So the word translated uncovered in everything is uncovered is quite literally the Greek word for naked. It's the word gymnos, from which we actually get the word gymnasium. Some of you will remember from you know, your, your history classes long ago that ancient athletes would exercise naked. And the place they would go to do that was, very literally in Greek, the naked place, the gymnasium. I want to reassure you that there's no biblical precedent here for you to go to your local club and work out naked. <laughs> so don't take it that literally. This is just about language. But it's certainly... I don't know, it ups the ante of the text, doesn't it, to think that I'm, I'm naked, not just physically, but I'm, I'm emotionally and spiritually naked before God. Well, the next part is even, I think, more interesting. Translated laid bare. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this, this phrase is a very strange word in the original. It's a verb that appears nowhere else in the New Testament, not even in the, Old Te in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. In Greek, it's the verb trachelizo, related to our word trachea, or throat. Now this verb, in all seriousness, was used in ancient Greek wrestling. This is a wrestling term. And what trachelizo was, was a kind of a, a headlock in a way, where you would grab the head of someone and, and pull the head back so that the neck was fully exposed, which is a fairly vulnerable position, right? That's the point. And so it's so interesting here that the writer to Hebrews, using this language of naked, which is athletic for him, and this very unusual verb is sort of envisioning God, in a sense, we're naked before God, and God has us in this headlock with all of us exposed through the Word. Now it even goes on. It says that before God, we're not only naked and vulnerable, but that our whole life is exposed to him to whom we must give account. Account. Now, I was surprised, honestly, when I was reading through this text in, in the Greek, that account is, again, the word logos, word, used in a different sense here. But there's obviously some irony. So it starts out with the word, the logos of God, searches us, reveals everything about us, and then we have to make a logos, an account, of who we are before God. Logos brings forth logos. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I would be honest to say to you, as I read this, there's a part of me that thinks something along the lines of, whoa, Nelly. You could use other language, but this is church. Uh, you think, whoa, that doesn't feel very safe. So the Word of God is going to reveal everything that I am before God, and i got to give an account to God. And because God knows everything, you know, no fake news about me, it ain't, it ain't going to work. Uh, so I, I want to go to that Word? <laughs> you know, there's a part of me that wants to say, okay, run away from that Word. Like scorpion, danger, go away. So the question would be, what's going to draw us to this Word if that's what the Word does? And that's why we need to read a little further in the text because Hebrews gives an amazing answer. So if we read on, verse 14 says, Therefore, so it's connected up, Therefore, 
Since we have a great high priest who's ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you for the water. So, Jesus, the Word incarnate, is not just the Word incarnate. And Hebrews goes to great length to explain how it is that Jesus is our great high priest. He intercedes for us. He bakes the bridge between us and God. He's on our side. He's one of us. The point is, He gets it. He gets what it is to be weak. He gets what it is to be tempted. As we are fully exposed before Jesus, the Word, He gets it. But He doesn't only get it. Hebrews will also show later on, Jesus is not the great high priest. He's also the ultimate sacrifice. He is a sacrifice offering Himself so that you and I can be forgiven and cleansed and made whole and have full access to God. So as the text says here, he emphasizes with our weakness, and therefore, because Jesus is high priest and sacrifice, we are invited to approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with boldness it could be rendered. We can come before God without holding back. And you see how this completely changes the feel of this text. I mean, if you were fully exposed to a God who was going to dump on you, condemn you, damn you, put shame on you, you would say, no way. But if you're fully exposed to a God who is there for you, who understands, who invites you to draw near so that He might pour out upon you His grace and mercy, and you realize you don't have to hide, you can't hide, and that same God loves you with a love that will never let you go, changes things doesn't it and then scripture becomes a major way in which god shows us our need for god in which god works within us teaches guides transforms yes reveals touches every part of our life that we might know more of his grace and mercy so if this is true in Scripture, God's breathing it, it's true that the Word of God is living and active, that, that the Bible through whom God speaks is living and active, then I have a, a question really for us, a question for God. What, what if we really are not experiencing the Bible as alive and active? Now, I'm sure some of you in this place are saying, oh, what? Of course I am. You know, I open my devotions in the morning. It's like God is speaking to me. I mean, I know people who generally are that kind of people. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of envy them. Because I'm more the kind of guy that, like, I want to study the Bible. I want to think about it. And there are times when it's not really that alive to me. Maybe you can relate, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. And I'd like that to be more true. And so I wonder... What will help me, and if you relate at all, what will help you actually to experience this? So it's not just a truth, God's Word alive, active. It's, it's what you know 
day in, day out, individually and as a church family. Well, there are many answers to the question of what will help us experience the Bible as truly alive and full of energy. Some of those answers you've already gotten, the first two sermons of this series. If you missed Pastor Eric's sermon on God Breathe a couple of weeks ago, if you missed Pastor Jane's sermon last week on Skies, Scripture, and Servants. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, go listen to it online. Uh, it, it, great sermons. It'll help answer this question. Today I want to add a little bit more from this text in Hebrews, which focuses on some very distinctive works of the sermon. Hey, this is funny. So Siri, just for the record, is now recording this sermon. I don't know why that's happening, but it's actually my timer, but this may end up online. I, you know, who knows where that goes now. That's just a funny thing, but, uh, but the timer is an important part of a preacher's, uh, you know, uh, toolbox. Okay, what does, uh, how, how do we engage the Scripture and know it as alive and active? First of all, one way we can experience life in the power of Scripture is by reading more of it than we usually do. Now, most Christians read certain parts of Scripture. we got like our greatest hits, and that's not a bad thing. Maybe you love the Gospel of John. Oh, let read that a lot. Certain parts of Paul's letters, awesome. The Psalms, not all of them, because some of them are kind of negative, but you know, Psalm 23, Psalm 100, yeah, let's go. And uh, the problem is that over time, we get so familiar, which on the one hand is really great, but on the other hand, you know, it, it just, there isn't much learning happening anymore. And I have found that as I, I read more of the Scripture, I get this, new, this process of discovery like when I was a younger Christian. I probably read through the Bible. I have no idea how many times now. And I still come across stuff and I think, God, I've never seen that before. And then maybe that's because I'm the age that I am. But nevertheless, there is this excitement like, this is new. This is awesome. I haven't seen this before. And so as you read more, you can have that experience. So it just so happens that you have this reading program as a church family. And I think that is awesome. Because... Not only will you be reading through passages of Scripture you may not have read in a while, but you'll be able to share it together, to encourage each other, to discover together, to share together. That's awesome. So go for it. It's important. It's good. You know, get the Bible reading. You can get it on the table on the way out. You can get it online. They'll, you'll email it to them every morning. I, I mean, what's to keep you from doing this? Nothing. But Eric was really right. If you've missed some, don't let that hold you back. I am that kind of person who would say, oh man, I can't start, so I'm going to have to read like 20 chapters of Matthew today. Bad idea, better idea. No, it's a great idea if you, have, if you can do that. It's a better idea. Just get going. So we want to be exposed to more of Scripture. That renews us. Secondly, if you want to experience the Bible as alive <coughs> and active, discover afresh how the Scripture speaks to every part of life. Every part of life. Now, I think one of the reasons that some of us get maybe even a little bored with Scripture is we, we only connect it up to certain parts of life, like my church life, my devotional life, maybe my family life, but then there's all this other stuff. What I do each week when I go to work, or you know, my, my, my volunteer work, my political life, all this stuff out in the public seems not to be relevant to the Scripture, but the fact is that God, through Scripture, wants to address all of life every part of life. 
Now, I, in my work at the Dupree Center at Fuller, I get to focus on one really big aspect of that, which is how God's Word relates to our daily work. Not just the work of pastors or people who work at seminaries, all of our work. And if you're retired, you still got work. It's what you do when you're not playing or resting. It's all that stuff. God actually cares about that, and Scripture actually speaks to that. One of the things that I do in particular with the Dupree Center is I write a daily devotional that connects Scripture to all of life, especially work. And each day are making these connections and helping people to see them. And people write to me and they'll tell me things like, thank you for this, this is really brought to life again, my love for the Scripture. By the way, if you want to sign up for that devotion, there's instructions in your bulletin, you can do that. Great if you do it. If it works for you, great. You can always quit. We won't spam you. We won't sell your email or, you know, hack into your computer or anything. But it's there if you'd like that. Because it's so important for us to discover and it excites us to know, wait, God's Word in Scripture actually connects to every part of life. That can be transformational. Third, and finally, if you want to experience the Bible as alive and active, pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through Scripture. Pay attention to it. Often, I believe the Spirit is speaking to us, and, and we just we sort of don't listen. Or we say, oh, that was a crazy idea, or we say, well, that's an idea, but I don't want to do it, or something. We need to learn to pay attention to the Spirit. The Spirit will speak through God's written Word. I had that experience fairly early on in my marriage to Linda. We were at a real impasse in a decision we were needing to make together, a pretty big decision for us. And I really wanted one thing, and Linda really wanted the other thing, and we were stuck. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go away for part of a day, and I'm going to pray about this. Now, I think, secretly, close your ears, uh, that, that actually I was kind of hoping I would pray and God would change Linda, right? <laughs> Prayer's powerful. God can change her. It's going to be great. Um, so I got away, and I, bought, and I started praying. And Lord, you know, we got this thing, we got this decision. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God took a verse of Scripture and just pressed it into my mind and heart. I mean, I didn't hear the words, but it was loud. And it was actually a verse from Ephesians 5, which is that passage about marriage. Now, some of you thinking, aha, it was this wives submit to your husbands. No, it wasn't that one. I wish it had been that one. <laughs> it was the other one. Three verses later, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave up himself for her. I was like, oh, Lord. And then I had to have an argument with God about why that was not such a good idea. It's like, you want me just to give up? Surely, you know, a compromise. And the more I prayed, the more the Spirit just kept taking that Scripture and just empowering it. And it goes into my heart. I begin to see my own selfishness, my own desire to win all the stuff Hebrews talks about. But by the end of that time of prayer, I really had strong conviction. No, this is what God wants me to do. And it was the Spirit speaking through the Word. I came back, told Linda, <clears throat> that was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. But I take almost no credit except I was willing to say, okay, this is what God is saying. I need to take this seriously. And the Scripture was alive for me. Now, it's not always going to be that big and, and momentous. But each day, if we say, Lord, what do you have to say to me today? 
Some days you won't hear anything. That's okay. Some days it'll be a little thing. Some days it may be a big thing. Some days it may be about your marriage. Some day it might be about your family life. Some day it may be about your neighbor, literally. Some day about your work. Whatever it is. If you ask the Lord and are open, God will speak and the word will come alive to you again. So brothers and sisters, the Bible as the written word of God is alive and active because God has breathed into it and God has spoken and still speaks through the scripture. As God speaks, God will reveal to you everything about yourself. Sometimes that isn't so pleasant. Sometimes that's scary. But we know that through Christ, Christ not only understands, but we are forgiven. Christ wants to heal and make whole and build us and form us into the people God wants us to be. And we know that God already knows all of that stuff and invites us welcomes us into his presence to come before his throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace we are drawn to the scripture because through the scripture we are drawn to god the god who holds us whose love will never let us go who is with us and for us and for that reason we open the word we say lord speak and God does. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word which is living and active. The word that created all things, the word spoken through the prophets, the word incarnate in Jesus, the word given to us and spoken to us through the scripture. Lord, there are things about your word that sometimes are scary. You show us things about ourselves we'd rather not see. You get into the very depths of our heart. But you do that not in order to condemn, but in order to set us free, in order to heal, in order to make us whole, to be the people you've wanted us and created us to be. Thank you. Thank you for... The fact that the incarnate word is also the great high priest and the sacrifice once for all through whom we can come to you absolute freedom, confidence, boldness, being who we are, knowing you are there to pour out your grace and mercy yet again. So Lord, may we be drawn to your word, may we read it, may we open our lives, and as we do, speak to us. Lord, even speak to this church family as they read together through your word speak to them individually speak to them together renew them in excitement about the liveness of your word and may it all be for your glory in this congregation and in this community and beyond for we pray in the name of jesus amen